Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. too much i'm a little bit paranoid i think i'm breaking maybe it's in my blood got a pain that i can't avoid i think i'm breaking down down i think i'm breaking i think i think too much i'm a little bit paranoid paranoid. i think i'm breaking Breaking down Oh, that's a good song. So Michaela, before the episode, just played this song for me. It's on an album actually called Trauma. Yeah, by I Prevail, and it's called Breaking Down. Huh, nice. I I really enjoyed the song. I was telling her, it sounds to me like a mix between Linkin Park and Breaking Bad. Reminds me of my my emo days. (laughs) (laughs) I was was pretty into it. It, Yeah, it's a good song. I like it. They have some, I Prevail's got some good ones. We've been kind of on and off about whether our song relates. This time our song does relate. It does, yeah. Yeah. Nice nice job on that. Today we're going to be talking about trauma and stressor-related disorders. Trauma, trauma. Trauma, And it's going to be a part one and a part two. So today we're just going to be talking a lot about diagnostics and how to recognize it. What qualifies. Yeah, yeah. And then next time we'll talk a little bit more about treatment stuff, more practical application. But the song is very relevant. Yes, I thought so. I thought so. So as you guys might remember, we're still learning about each other on here, and we like to sometimes just share stories or just general what's good. So Sunny, what's your what's good? I had a different one, but I'm going to go with a new one. Oh, okay. So last night I watched the movie Turning Red. Have you seen it? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. It's a Disney movie about a young woman who essentially she goes through puberty and when she goes through puberty she figures out that there's a lifelong family i don't know curse or gift that you can turn into a giant red panda that's fun i know it's dope but it's (laughs) the whole movie is kind of a metaphor for like young women going through puberty and then having this strong emotional response and then what to do with those emotional responses and Mm they don't need to necessarily bottle it up or control it always or make it go away just or let yourself turn into the red panda yeah it talks about <laughs> it, it talks a lot about like how to manage the red panda it's like i'm pretty sure it's all about periods and it was just so good i think there might be controversy about it i'm not really sure yeah i've seen some people have some controversy about it but what's I mean, the controversy? i don't i mean it was like a christian thing i think like that they oh. were too rebellious or sexualized or something oh they were really funny <laughs> I mean, that's teenageism, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. The whole at one point in the movie, she's basically pop locking and dropping it to make her mother back up to like scare her mother away. Oh she's my. like, "Look, mom, <laughs> look at me." It's really pretty great, and so I'm gonna twerk your twerk yeah. you into the other room. <laughs> to twerk my way to freedom. (laughs) Anyway, so I just, I loved it. I thought it was super cute. And I thought the message was cool of you don't need to 
I think a lot of times with women, we try to make their spirit disappear and we try to mm-hmm. tell them to be less angry and we try to tell them to be more in control and to be a good girl and to make sure that everybody else around you is comfortable. Right. It's all about everybody else's comfort, not yeah. your comfort. Sorry you're in pain and going through all these physical changes, right. but deal with it yeah. because you're making other people uncomfortable. Yeah. And it was just, <laughs> I just thought it was so cool that we just had a conversation about periods on a Disney movie and I, yeah, I loved it. Cool. Yeah. I will have to watch that. Yeah. It was dope. It's on my to-do list. Yeah. (laughs) There was one scene in it about pads that you're going to have to call me after you watch because I was like in tears. I was laughing so hard. So God, check it out. Anyway, that was (laughs) that was my what's good. A puberty movie. I love it. I love you. So, you know that I enjoy a good pickle. Um, Like like not not the penis pickles, (laughs) like a literal pickle. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So this story is where maybe I took my love for pickles a little too far. Okay. Pickle love. Growing up, we got to go on vacations every now and again. And one particular vacation, we were just in Arizona. It was wonderful. It was really wonderful, memorable vacation. I love Arizona. All you out there in Arizona, it's radical out there. It's so beautiful. and. And it was, I mean, a lot of times we overschedule ourselves, we're running around, but this one was a little bit more laid back and we, I don't know, it was just a really memorable, great one. But at the end of the vacation, we're trying to get everything packed up, you know, we're trying to get, finish off foods and get everything ready to leave, right? So I ate like an entire jar of baby dill pickles, like a whole effing jar. Like I'm sure there were maybe 10 or so that had been eaten prior, (laughs) you know, but it was pretty much a whole jar. (laughs) Then you had full-blown edema. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah, no, so I went to bed and uh, my sister and I were sharing like a pull-out bed and my mom was like up the whole night trying to get laundry done and she had literally just finished. Did you shart your pants? (laughs) (laughs) No, Is that the end of the not story? quite. Uh, I exorcism style vomited all over everything. And it was like the blackest, nastiest like vomit ever. I mean, <laughs> I knew. Oh, oh, my God. And I mean, it got all over the sheets and it even got on my sister and she didn't even know it. Perfect. So she like went into mom and dad's room to be like, tell them that I threw up. And then she turns around. Mom sees just the black vomit all down her back. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. so disgusting and again she had just finished laundry like i feel <laughs> awesome <laughs> the power of christ compels you the yes. power of christ compels you <laughs> head spinning around black vomit going everywhere well i knew it was uh, coming out one end I it, just it was it was it was too wrong. many pickles <laughs> <laughs> that's great thank you for this gift i shall cherish this treasure do you guys remember where in arizona you were at where were you at I feel like we were probably near the Phoenix area, but not yeah, like yeah. in this. We were kind of on the outskirts, if I remember correctly, oh, but I don't fully remember. Just beautiful place. Really beautiful place. I went to see a bunch of cactuses there. Cacti recently? Anyway, at the Ooh. end, they, that's the whole so story. Big. They get yeah. so tall. It's kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole story. I saw some hummingbirds and some cacti, and I really liked it. The end. Yeah, I love it out there. Cool it's story, great. man. Thanks yeah, for that thanks. gift. Yeah. Thanks for the gem. <laughs> Well, today we also want to remind everybody that oh, shoot, yeah. we do have an Instagram, <laughs> we do have a Twitter, we do have a Facebook, we do have a Gmail, which is shityourshrinkthinks at gmail.com. You can follow us on our socials. And also we have a Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash shityourshrinkthinks if you are so inclined. Yes. So going back to just podcast experiment from last week, 
Sunny, what did you do for your experiment and what did you learn? Mm. So last week I tried to be a little bit more careful about where I looked for for validation Mm. instead of trying to always get validation from the outside. I tried to do a little bit more internal validation. And for me, that was pretty useful because I I don't know. I I don't know if it's – I find that some people in my world are very, very validating and super useful. Mm -hmm. But I find that most of the time there's something going on with them that if I bring my stuff to them, sometimes their response is just wackadoodle. Yeah. Like, and I can't – it just makes me more anxious or stressed. It fe- yeah, it feels invalid. Like, even though you recognize it's something with them, it feels invalidating. Yeah. Yeah. And so I kind of tried to peg when that happens the most, with whom it happens the most, and just decided to try and skip the step of going to those particular people for those particular things and just try to do a little internal validation. And that did help. It helped me to stay calmer and a little more regulated, which was nice because I tend to I I will be pretty transparent about stuff, but I sometimes feel that when I am more transparent about things that I'm going through, I just have to be careful about who I'm transparent with. Right. Because I feel like it's not always used sensitively, and Mm -hmm. I'm a sensitive flower. (laughs) (laughs) I need a lot of sensitivity. Uh, You got to, got to have a little tenderness. And if you're dealing with me, I I just, I need a little bit of extra care. And so I was more self-validating. I was a little bit more reserved with what I was sharing. And it helped me. It helped me personally. So that was really nice, actually. Nice. How about you? Good. Yeah, mine was to make sure I was self-validating a little more, too. And I did pretty well with it. Uh, I definitely had a couple moments where I caught myself kind of being an ass to myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they're they're but but because I was trying to be more aware, I caught myself and and tried to kind of wheel it back. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of going down the deep rabbit hole of self pity and hatred. Yeah. You know, <laughs> That's, and it is funny too because I think when other people hear you doing that or me doing that they're like why would you say that about yourself but it just it's hard to catch in yourself right and yeah if you say it out loud sometimes yeah rant like yeah i've caught you a couple times and i'm like hey i don't like when you say that about yourself (laughs) (laughs) i disagree yeah and i'll be like oh that thought went out of my brain oops yeah that's supposed to stay in the terror pit (laughs) 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 that's that's the torture pit uh that that thought was right right i wasn't i was just trying to do that for myself sorry about that sorry (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So yes, if you have something like that going on, it can be useful to catch yourself. Right. Very good. I'm glad that was helpful. Yeah. So this week, as we said before, we are talking about trauma and stressor-related disorders. We are going to give you a review of the broad range of mental health issues that can arise from exposure to a traumatic event. We're going to use the DSM-5 for this review. And keep in mind, you can go all the way back to our episode about the DSM. We know it does have its strengths and weaknesses. But this is what would be used for formal medical and mental health diagnosis in the community. So first and foremost, what is a trauma and stressor-related disorder? (laughs) Yes, yes, that's a great question. So a trauma with a capital T in terms of what the DSM would say It's also called a Criterion A event. So you'll hear me and Michaela switch these things. We'll say trauma or Criterion A event when we mean trauma. So the society has one definition of trauma, and then there's the medical and psychological community that has Mm -hmm. a different definition of trauma for treatment. So you're going to hear 
This is actually kind of a pet peeve of mine. No big surprise. Everything bothers me. <laughs> Have I mentioned that <laughs> everything bothers me? I don't know what my problem is. So when you are a provider or a therapist, you use trauma in a very specific meaning. Right. And when you're on Instagram or Facebook or right. social media or in the news or yeah. whatever. They kind of act as though everyone has been traumatized. <laughs> Everything's a trauma. Yes. Maybe. But it's, it's actually pretty narrow for our purposes. Right. So – Something being traumatic, a criterion A event, is when a person has experienced exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury, or sexual violence by either directly experiencing it, directly witnessing it, learning of it, or extreme exposure to details of the events. So that would be somebody like a first responder or police or even therapists. Yeah. (laughs) Or prison personnel. Yes. Prison personnel. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, for other example, you know, being taken hostage, torture, maybe having like a serious disaster or a very serious car accident, you know, those are kind of some other examples that Mm -hmm. could fall into that big T. Yeah, big T uh, refugee situations, that sort of thing. Yes, absolutely. So those are the big T capital criterion A trauma events. Right. Now, the category is also called trauma and stressor related disorder. So a stressor is much more open-ended. Yeah, much broader. Th- that That's kind of like what the media calls traumas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> our, our stressors, what, what we would clinically define as stressors. So many of us still consider these traumas with the lowercase t. And frankly, sometimes I, you know, I use the terms interchangeably even though I shouldn't. Right, yeah. It gets hard to occasionally differentiate that. I mean, mm-hmm. it is so... Saying something stressful versus traumatic, you just are like, Matt, that's traumatic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But but technically, a stressor is different. And these are usually more, I think of these as more chronic things and more ongoing. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't say lower level. I would just say chronic and ongoing. And you can kind of think of it as like emotional neglect or emotional abuse. Or maybe living with a narcissistic parent growing up or inconsistent parenting or substance abusing parenting Mm -hmm. or bullying, some kinds of bullying can be that way. So it's still bad. Right. It's still causing a long-term effect Mm -hmm. on your psyche, Mm -hmm. but it's not quite the same as some of those other experiences. Capital T trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're saying is that these are different and there's not a better or a worse, and there's not a, it's not the Olympics of suffering. Thing, no. <laughs> right? Like, it's not like you want to win the award no. of what thing was more traumatic. Right. These are both, we would just call one a trauma and one a stressor, and both affect you, and both have associated conditions. Yeah. And that it's not, when you kind of get into medical or psychological sciences, there's no, we don't look at something as better or worse. It's just what it is and how we got to treat it. Right. So. And I do feel like when it relates to childhood in, in particular, they are often combined. I feel Absolutely. like if, it, if it's a childhood thing, oh, you probably had a little T and a big T. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yes, it is that way, though. And I actually, it's funny that that was my next point to talk about was that a lot of times what, well, we work in special situations, Michaela and I, but we see a lot of what you would call it's not a formal term, but complex trauma Mm -hmm. when you have somebody who has had big T trauma and little T trauma. So they've had both stressors and they've had 
single instance traumatic events. Right. And when those combine, it's my personal experience. I don't know about you that that's the hardest to treat. Yeah. And I and I feel like, unfortunately, they feed into each other. You know, once you've kind of had one, the kind of symptoms that develop almost kind of lead you into be, you know, getting yes. into another one, which then leads into getting to another one. And it becomes this domino effect. Absolutely. So if you've been exposed to one, you're it's it's more likely that you're going to be exposed to multiple yeah. than just like one thing necessarily, right. particularly. Unfortunately. If there's, yeah, if it's childhood. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, funny. The diffuse stressors are the harder ones to treat. I would almost rather, this is so horrible, but in the terms The big of, tease? Yeah, yeah, in terms of a If treat, there's a specific event, mm-hmm. it's it's easier to help them break that down as mm-hmm. opposed to the long-term trying right. to break down every single thing. Right. If yeah. somebody gets in a car accident and sees something terrible, that's one time and then they had a safe childhood. As a treating provider, that's easier for me to treat than somebody who had 18 years of a buckwild childhood, but we- can't identify a single event right it's just like the chronicity thing right and the disorder arises when something like this happens to you and you begin to have those long-standing patterns or difficulty in your ability to interact with others perform those daily tasks hold a job manage your moods and of course it's obviously going to be distressing to us yes (laughs) yes yes right right so Michaela makes a good point you're not always even if you have had a capital t criterion a traumatic stressor right or little stressors over time that are chronic, you don't necessarily always form Develop yeah, a disorder. A disorder. Yeah. yeah. You don't it doesn't always impact your daily functioning or your distress levels. A lot of times it does, but not always. So you may not form a disorder. It's not that everybody has these experiences and that's why it's called a disorder, right? It's a right. that's the atypical response. Right. Yeah. Statistically atypical. Very understandable. However, yeah, I was gonna say realistically, uh, yeah, of course you're struggling, man. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So now that we know what a trauma and a stressor is and what constitutes a formal disorder or diagnosis. We can chat through the types of disorders and categorizations in the DSM. Today, we'll sort of be giving you a sampler platter, a poo-poo platter, if you will. (laughs) Poo-poo. I just like to say (laughs) poo-poo. Of types of trauma disorders. So next time, we'll go more into what it looks like in regards to the practical treatment applications. But first, we just want to talk about the disorders. And we're not going to go... It's not going to be a full – we could do full episodes on each of these disorders. If we really wanted to. Yeah. yeah. We're just giving you a little, little sampler platter. You're going to yeah. get some taquitos. You're going to get some <laughs> wontons. You're going to get some mozzarella mm. sticks. Oh, man. You're making me hungry. I'm really hungry. It's <laughs> <laughs> really hungry. Oh, the mozz sticks. It's been so oh. – I know, right? My mouth literally just started watering, guys. There used to be this – I don't know if anybody knows what this thing is. I haven't had it in years. But at Chili's, of all places, there was like a firecracker chicken taquito with a special Ooh. sauce. Lord have mercy on my everlasting soul. If any of you have ever worked at Chili's – And you know the recipe, <laughs> help please me. send us. Help me. <laughs> I want to taste this. So the first disorder we're going to go into is reactive attachment disorder. So what do you know about this? Yeah, so this is diagnosed in children with prolonged trauma or stress, Uh, so they do generally experience both. It's really a consistent pattern of inhibited, emotionally withdrawn behavior toward adult caregivers. Yes. So they very rarely seek comfort when they're distressed, and they kind of minimally respond to the adult's efforts to comfort them when they are distressed. They tend to have persistent social and emotional struggles. 
uh, minimal social and emotional responsiveness, limited kind of positive affect. So basically, their happy moods aren't really coming across externally. Mm-hmm. They may have episodes of unexplained, like, irritability, crying, or, like, fear without any real noticeable trigger. Yeah. It looks very disorganized. Yeah. So to the naked eye, you will look at these children and it will be, you will see them engaging fearfully, avoidantly, angrily, and then also just kind of having extreme reactions just out of the blue, essentially. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like there's cues or triggers. There are, there are, but they don't. They're not to the external eye. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They they don't seem to be readily apparent. Right. This is usually after a pattern of extremely insufficient care mm-hmm. from caregivers, which means like there's no basic comfort, there's no basic stimulation or affection. Yeah. There might be changes in who is the caregiver. So like foster care just frequently right. hopping from house through. to house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where there uh, other situations as orphanages where there are just like one caregiver per 50 children, yeah. for example, could be another time where this happens. And we want to rule it out. So what it means to rule out a diagnosis or or differentiate this diagnosis between another thing is we want to make sure this is not an autism spectrum disorder. Mm-hmm. So if it's not autism, it could be this. It's usually present before the age of five and present after nine months, and it lasts more than 12 months. Mm -hmm. Have you seen this before in practice? Not necessarily in practice, but in Mm -hmm. different experiences where I was kind of exposing myself to my potential future practice. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Some of these more childhood disorders I was exposed to when I would uh, volunteer with like the Royal Family Kids Camp. Oh, yeah. So that's a camp that uh, is for often neglected and abused children or Mm -hmm. foster care children. Mm -hmm. So some of these disorders, I I have seen that with those kiddos. You just didn't know that's what it was Right. Yeah. At the time, time, I wasn't really aware of the diagnostics. It was just like, okay, so this kid has this thing going on. And then, you know, the next one to grow in, I'm like, whoa, and this kid has this thing going on, you know? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. It is funny looking back on something after becoming a therapist and realizing that's what the thing was. Right. But at the time, having no clue what's going on. Right. Just like, whoa. All right, then. This is where we're at. Okay. <laughs> Little Dave just throws a chair once in a while. Yeah. Like, we gotta- <laughs> Don't put the lights on too bright. Good enough. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Have you been exposed to it much? Yes. Unfortunately, I have. I worked. I don't remember. I've worked everywhere. <laughs> I've worked yeah. in every location that's ever been. I guess I did see it a couple times when I really first began. Now that I'm in practice, back. yeah, yeah. yeah. This, I kind of forgot about. The, okay, so my small period of work at this other forgot place. or deleted, probably deleted. <laughs> deleted Sorry. files. You go back to your expression. Okay, yeah. We'll, we will both discuss our experiences. Mine was also a very long time ago, and is one of the reasons why I don't work in child. Yeah, yeah. uh, Or child psychology. So I worked at a community psych center for a long time, which is usually you're it's a sliding scale fee sort of service. Mm -hmm. So somebody can come in, they can bring their W-2 and say they earn $5,000 a year, then we'd charge them the lowest possible fee of, you know, $10 a session or something like that. So it would give access to different types of care. Well, at the geographical location that I did this, there was a high number of, I want to say it was Eastern European immigrants, possibly Bosnian. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and for whatever reason, there was a large number of people who had been in orphanages, either some type of Eastern European orphanage. Okay. And for that time period that they were in those orphanages, they were fairly well known as not having a lot of regulations at that mm-hmm. time. And so babies would be just kind of left in in their bassinets for and, hours and, and just ignored yep. and caregivers would rotate frequently and there would not be a lot of attentiveness or emotional support mm. and again not a lot of regulations and so we saw a large amount of children that were adopted from these centers that then came to our psych service and parents essentially were at their wits end they couldn't figure out what was right. going on lots of good parents trying yeah yeah they're trying to be comforting but again yeah. they the, these children are kind of rejecting the comfort mm-hmm. and they're not really responding like you would expect a child to respond to the, the attempts of comfort yeah that yeah. was the first time i ever got hit actually mm, yeah yep. i'm having flashbacks of carrying a child kicking and screaming and trying to punch me in the face down yep. some stairs yep. yeah definitely definitely lots of biting and hitting and i remember asking a kid to Uh, sit down and do some sort of test and of course that's totally unreasonable to ask a kid with the sort of thing to do and I got chair thrown at me I was probably (laughs) six months into doing therapy right yeah yeah I I was like all right this is what we're doing yes (laughs) that that kid is surprisingly strong yes (laughs) I remember thinking okay well, I'm going to have to get a lot more agile if I'm going to do this job. It reminds me of that meme you sent me of the social workers. It's like, first question, can you yeah. fight? Do you know how to fight? <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of my, it was probably a year or two long clerkship that I did with that sort of thing. And I decided this this is too challenging for me on an emotional level. Yeah, so I it, veered- it is. That's, I agree. It was that small experience that I had kind of was like, yeah, I think I want to work with some adults. Yeah, yeah. I just want to get hit with a chair every day. Yeah, because again, it's it's not like it's their fault that they're exactly. struggling this way. And sometimes depending on the parents, that, I mean, like you said, sometimes they are really great parents, mm-hmm. but sometimes they aren't. Yes. And so if you're working with the aren't. <laughs> That's the hard part. It makes it really difficult. Because uh, you're really place. stuck in a, a rock and a hard place with what you can actually help this kiddo with. Right, because so. it's really about the parents. Yeah. Child therapy is really mostly parent therapy. <laughs> right. <laughs> a lot of times. But well, the, but the parents are like, well, why don't you fix my kid? Yeah. <laughs> uh, use your wand, pull it right out of your butt, and just <laughs> and just magically fix this. So what was your experience? You mentioned that you had had some early ones. Yeah. Th- just uh, when I first got my licensure, I had, you know, taken a position that was for kind of, I mean, it was oh. for children who generally got kicked out of school because yes. of their behaviors. Yes. And so this was like a modified behavior school-esque mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And then there was therapy services provided and uh, yeah. it was a tiggity turn. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was. Uh, it was yeah. not it was not my cup of tea. Yeah. I that I chose the prison over that job, guys. Okay. Right on. Right on. We all <laughs> have choices. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go to the park on the prison. <laughs> we do at some point gotta get a child therapist on here because we are yes. so limited have, in our exposure. Yeah, we've gone yeah. we've gone the adult route so right. much. So the next one that we have, the next trauma and stressor related disorder that we have is disinhibited social engagement disorder, which is also diagnosed in children. And it's basically the opposite of reactive attachment disorder. So instead of seeing somebody just reacting and trying to pull away and crying and throwing chairs kind of at random, Mm -hmm. you're going to see a child with 
absent issues. Absent fear, kind yes. of. Just running towards any adult. All and, danger. And <laughs> wanting to hug and say all these things and, you know. It, Almost an inappropriate level of familiarity. Right, and yeah. Touching. Like, think of them running up to a stranger, hugging them and telling them they love them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah. there's no fear. They will just go off with any adult at any time. Right. They're not going to check back. Yeah, with, they just venture away. Yep, they just leave. And they, it's not ADD, so we, we want to rule it out with ADHD. And it is also related to extreme insufficient care. And it's present after at least nine months. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this one? I think I've only seen this I, a couple times. I saw this one actually quite a bit at that camp that I worked oh, at. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. I could see that. I uh, the most of the time when I see this, it's like a sexual abuse sort of situation. Yeah, unfortunately, generally, yeah. I I agree. I I think I see it a lot with sexual abuse, and o- occasionally I see it with some really extreme neglect as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if in those instances there, there still was, was a little level of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a. It, you can just think of it as inappropriate understanding of personal boundaries, right? That are. Above and beyond even what a kid doesn't understand for personal boundaries. Because children do not have personal boundaries. Yeah, yeah. In general, (laughs) kids don't have personal boundaries. But this is a whole nother level where any random stranger, they're willing to go home with them, basically. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, (laughs) essentially, yes, exactly. So it's the opposite of reactive attachment disorder. And now moving out of the child-only disorders, we have a lot of ones left over, but the hottest topic is probably post-traumatic stress disorder, which is PTSD. So it has to be that you've experienced a criterion A stressor, which Mm -hmm. we've emphasized, which is exposure to actual or threatened death, serious injury or sexual violence. And the first set of criteria is you have one or more intrusive symptoms. Break me off a piece of intrusive symptoms. So intrusive symptoms could just be kind of those memories, dreams, flashbacks, just distressing thoughts or feelings about the trauma, emotional distress and physical responses um, kind of that remind you of the trauma. So if there's like a a cue externally, you're you're Mm -hmm. having a, a physical or emotional reaction. Exactly. So if you were somebody who had been in a car accident and you hear a car screeching, then your heart rate's going up and maybe you're now replaying your own car accident in your mind. Right. And then maybe that night you have a nightmare about your car accident. Now, that being said, I want to add that flashbacks are actually incredibly rare. Um, It's more likely that they're going to be a dissociative episode where you kind of lose time. Mm, A flashback is where somebody really believes and sees and thinks for a hot minute that they're back in the situation. Yeah, they're legit reliving the Mm -hmm. whole thing. Yeah, so people use the term flashback really lightly. Yeah, again, it's kind of a pop term for a lot of people. Just like how (laughs) we say, oh, it's traumatic. It's, oh, I had a flashback. But really what people are usually having is an intrusive memory or an intrusive thought. And you can think of intrusive memories or thoughts a lot like if you kept starting a tape recorder at the same place on the recording, mm. or you kept opening a book to the same chapter and rereading the same image or, or uh, same story, or if you had a video and you were pressing play at the same part of the video over and over again, it's like right. it picks up and it never plays forward. And it's something that you can't necessarily control. So step one, you have to have one or more of those intrusive symptoms. Right. And then the next thing is persistent avoidance of the stimuli associated with the trauma. And you have to have either one or both of 
uh, these other things. So break me off some of that, Sunny. So you avoid memories, thoughts, or feelings related to the trauma. So that's more of the internal avoidance. Mm -hmm. And then you could avoid external reminders too. People, places, conversations, or activities. Yeah. And sometimes we end up using like drugs or alcohol to suppress these uncomfortable mm -hmm. thoughts or emotions, or we suppress them in other ways to, to distract ourselves from thoughts related to it. Or we really avoid any kind of conversation that mm -hmm. could be at all related to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anything that could be slightly related to your trauma, you're avoiding and suppressing. Right. <laughs> so I will just give a couple of really quick examples. So let's say you were in combat at one point in your life and you drove uh, tanks and you were hit by an IED. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now you like to avoid driving. Now you like to avoid nighttime because it happened at nighttime and now you avoid you won't even listen to the music on the radio when you're driving you won't talk to anybody etc let's say maybe you experienced something that was hmm we'll call it domestic violence so kind of like physical threatening stances kind of stuff. right yeah and and maybe that person was let's say they were a large white male and now large white males you avoid mm -hmm. and now you also avoid it's kind of extended to men in general and now you also avoid situations where you're alone with men right it like starts to extend yeah that's very true yeah it, it, you initially kind of avoid very specific aspects of mm -hmm. it and eventually it turns into this broad thing of avoiding so much yes and this is one of the things we're most interested in as therapists and we'll talk about this in our treatment episode but we want to know what are you avoiding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make you not avoid it. We're going to do it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so step two is you have to have one or both of avo these avoidance symptoms. Level three is that you would have negative alterations in thoughts and mood associated with trauma. So two or more of these. And these are kind of like, duh, of course yeah. you have these things. <laughs> right. Uh, sometimes you might have difficulty just remembering parts of the traumatic event, and this is not due to drugs or out a head injury. Mm -hmm. You might have just persistent negative beliefs about yourself, the world, or others, like thinking like, I'm bad, or nobody at all can ever be trusted. You might have just some persistent distorted thoughts about the cause, like where you're blaming yourself. Mm -hmm. Persistent negative emotional states like fear, horror, anger, guilt, and shame. I mean, you're just kind of always stuck in one of those emotions. Yeah. Well, lots of times it can be depression too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, diminished interest in participating in activities you previously really enjoyed. Uh, feelings of detachment or estrangement from others. So you just don't really feel like you're connecting to people. And, and a persistent inability or difficulty just experiencing those positive emotions. You know, you're not really experiencing happiness or satisfaction or love. You're, you're stuck, again, in, in those negative emotions. Yeah. So this category often, I, I always think, often just looks like a mood disorder. Yes. So you might look depressed. You might look anxious. You just aren't. You have anhedonia. You're just not getting joy out of things. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times because of the avoidance you are not enjoying things you used to enjoy because you're not doing the things you used to enjoy. And plus, they Fair. cause you fear when you right. do right. try to do them. So a big one I always see is crowds. Yes. Crowds is such a big one for any kind of PTSD. People like to avoid being around large groups of other people because right. in the words of Will Smith, or no, not Will Smith, Agent K in Men in Black, a person is smart. Yes. People are dangerous 
panicky animals. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love that. Yeah, a person is smart. People. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good. So I think that people Men with trauma. Black. Yeah, a little bit of black for you. But people with trauma usually like to avoid crowds for that kind of theory. And so then right. they avoid crowds so long they avoid things they used to like doing. And then eventually that contributes to negative mood and anxiety. Yep. Right. So these all link together. Starts kind of. with not going to concerts, ends with not going to the grocery store. You know? Amen. <laughs> Amen. It, you can't drive to the CVS. Exactly. Exactly. And the last one is changes in arousal and reactivity associated with trauma. So basically, your fight or flight system is lit up all the time. Yes. (laughs) That's the best way to describe it. Yeah. You might have some more irritability, kind of those anger outbursts. You might be a little reckless or self-destructive. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes we end up doing engaging in behaviors that could actually really, really harm us and be dangerous. Mm -hmm. You might be really hypervigilant. So you're, you know, you're always on edge looking around, paying attention. You might have kind of uh, an exaggerated startle response. You know, somebody drops something and and you're ready to kick some ass. <laughs> oh. uh, difficulty concentrating and and sleep disturbance. You know, you're having difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep because you're 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 hyper vigilant. You're you're like ready to go. <laughs> yeah, you're ready to party. You are somehow chronically exhausted, but also very very awake at yes. all times. Yes, it's the worst. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I have a. <laughs> Once upon a time when I was in high school, I was bringing in a present for a different friend of mine. I was bringing a present in for their birthday. And my best friend, if she listens to this, she'll know exactly what I'm talking about before I say it. I was in my car just like rifling around like a raccoon in there trying to get all the presents (laughs) out. And she sneaks up behind me like a ninja. She swears she wasn't sneaking, but I didn't hear her at all. Mm -hmm. And she snuck up behind me. And said, oh, hey, good morning. And I freaked uh, out. I dropped everything. I released the balloons into the sky. Oh, no. <laughs> All the balloons are gone. And that would be an exaggerated startle response, for example. And I also think I might have tried to hit her. So within that, that could be an example of a startle response. I also used to have, <laughs> I had this one really quiet supervisor. He was so quiet. And he'd just come into my doorway and just lurk there. Oh, lurking that's awful. In the doorway. And Don't so, lurk, guys. Yeah. Don't and, sneak up on people. Yes. And so anytime he would say, oh, hey, what's going on? I'd jump out of my skin and basically onto the desk. <laughs> and that would be an example. Or if you get really punchy when somebody startles you, you're like, don't do that. And you get irritable. That's another right. exaggerated startle response. For and just example. in general, I mean, you, you're having those feelings of anxiety and you're having like the racing heart and maybe an upset stomach. You might be getting headaches. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things are definitely a part of that as well. Right. And the key with PTSD is this. It's that you didn't have a whole lot of this. Then the bad thing happened or things. Mm-hmm. Now you do have a lot of this, right? So if there's a weird tipping point in your life where like things were going okie dokie pretty much and then the bad bad occurs and you have these sorts of symptoms, you can it is a timeline sort of thing. It matters what the timeline is. So right. keep that in mind. Yeah, these symptoms can last uh, more than one month. And again, it's going to be causing significant distress and impairment in your life functioning. You know, you're struggling with interacting with your loved ones. I mean, goodness, if you if you're feeling detached and you're not having those happy emotions, we're we're having difficulty connecting with our loved ones. We're maybe having difficulty at work. Maybe you're having an angry outburst at your mm-hmm. boss. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're struggling to just do, go to the grocery store. Those mm-hmm. daily functioning things are difficult. Absolutely. And so there's another one, which I I shouldn't call it this, but I do call it PTSD light. And it's when <laughs> it's like, 
bush light. Uh, <laughs> anyway, mm. it's acute stress disorder. It's very similar to PTSD, but it's basically just a shorter duration. We're not going to go into it fully, but it lasts three days to one month. Yeah. So a bad and- thing happens. Criterion A happens. Yes. Three days later, you're really sweating it. And right. up to a month later, you're really sweating it. But if it lasts longer than that is when it converts into yes. PTSD. Yeah. And it does typically begin like almost immediately after the trauma. But again, mm-hmm. it it's not going to last past that month right. to fall into this category. If it's right. lasting past the month, then when then we're upgrading you. <laughs> yeah, you can upgrade. Uh, what? Isn't there a song about that? Let me upgrade you. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's probably some 2000s hip hop song. <laughs> then I should know it. <laughs> yes. So acute stress disorder is very similar to PTSD, but it's just, just a shorter. Little- duration yeah then finally we have adjustment disorders on our list and adjustment disorders boy we diagnose that a lot yeah people like to use that a lot i think because you know diagnoses do tend to follow people around Mm -hmm. and so if we're not totally sure a lot of times this can be something to give somebody Mm -hmm. and you can get your insurance paid for through it Mm -hmm. (laughs) without officially giving them something heavy Mm -hmm. so i i do think it might be overly diagnosed yeah probably (laughs) probably and yeah, I'm probably guilty as charged yeah, on that one. Same. So this is essentially a stressor-related disorder. So before we've had trauma-related disorders more so, and this one's more of a stressor-related disorder. Right. It's not necessarily specific to a criterion A trauma, but it's like these, again, these low-grade, They're terrible, still kind of identifiable stressors. Yeah, chronic, yeah. shitty. Lost the job because mm-hmm. of this situation and mm-hmm. something else happened and then this other little thing happened mm-hmm. and- Emotional abuse, neglect, all these different things can cause an adjustment disorder. Symptoms begin about three months within the stressor timeline, Mm -hmm. and they do cause distress and impairment, and we know it's not another disorder. And there are different types of adjustment disorder that we can say. So, oh, and it's not normal bereavement. Sorry, it's not normal. Right, yeah, it's not after grief. We're not going to give you an adjustment disorder due to grief. Yeah, I almost never give somebody any kind of disorder for the first – I probably could – like technically by the letter of the law, you can give somebody a disorder after they've lost somebody within a year, I think. But I don't give anything within the first year. I just assume you are sorting out what you need to sort out. Right. It's a normal response. Well, there are some like – like complex bereavement or something? Yeah, I was going to say yeah. complex bereavement. And I think you can just have like a, an F code, I think is what it's called, mm-hmm. where you can just kind of say like, yep, this is also a technically a factor. Yeah, yeah. So I'll throw that in there just to be like, okay, so they're yeah. struggling with like this single episode of major depressive disorder, yeah. but bereavement is also a factor. Yeah, Michaela is referencing in hospital systems, we can add additional little coders to things Yeah. to say, well, to this specify. is a, a formal thing disorder but it's a stressor that's yeah this is a current stressor yeah Yeah. like problems with your spouse that can be a thing but but that's again that's not a diagnosis but that could be something that you can specify to clarify in some of these things that's what i need to call all of my stressors is just f codes because like that's (laughs) like f (laughs) f f f f So once the stressor is gone, symptoms last more than six months in an adjustment disorder. So Mm -hmm. it's not just that you are having the problems while the stressor is occurring. The stressor resolves and then you still have the problems. Right. And you're still kind of struggling to adjust. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's why it's called an adjustment disorder. So the types are adjustment disorder with depressed mood, with anxiety, with mixed anxiety and depressed mood, or mixed disturbance of emotions and conduct. 
or unspecified, which <laughs> that's just some lazy ass. <laughs> <laughs> There's something going on here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Adjustment disorder, unspecified, which, listen. It gets used a lot, actually. Yeah, I think. no judgment if you're somebody no. who uses that code. That's yeah. what it is. Again, I feel like in the beginning, it's it's hard to give somebody a heavy diagnosis. So sometimes you just want to be really broad. Yeah. Because you only have so much time to do an assessment with somebody and you only have so much time to get into the nitty gritty. So it's like, well, we're kind of leaning over here, but I'm not really sure. Yeah. Am I really going to assume I know your whole ass life after one hour of meeting with you? But guess what? Insurance wants it for billing. Yeah. 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 And also, I don't even know my whole ass life and I've been in this body a hot minute. (laughs) So I'm not going to assume yours. But yeah, we have to put something a lot of times for insurances. And finally, we have other specified trauma and stressor-related disorder and unspecified trauma and stressor-related disorder. All that means is that this is almost PTSD, but not quite PTSD. Either you're missing one symptom or it wasn't quite a criterion. Right. Like you had to have like two of the criterias met and you only met one of them. Right. (laughs) So so it wasn't quite there. Yeah. It's... Yeah. For treatment purposes, it's kind of splitting hairs because a lot of these things we treat the same way. Right. So if we kind of globally know, okay, if it's a trauma and stressor-related disorder, there's this bucket of treatments that we know helps. Mm -hmm. And really splitting hairs between is it PTSD or is it other specified specified trauma-related disorder? In terms of treatment, doesn't matter as much. Where it tends to matter is things like a disability claim Mm -hmm. or things like a forensic evaluation for oh, a yeah. court system, yeah. it might matter. Uh, parental rights evaluations, all of those sorts of stuff, like forensics, it matters. Right. But for us, not so much. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. We're, we're loosey-goosey over here. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I don't know. Well, we're focused on the treatment. Yeah. So, you know, this again, like you said, the specific diagnostic doesn't necessarily change how I'm going to approach the symptoms. Right, exactly. We're, we're more focused on symptom pattern. Right. So based on all of this, what do you want to try for your podcast experiment? So I just want to pull out my DSM more (laughs) Um, and make sure that my diagnosis, diagnoses for people are correct. I mean, after kind of going through this, you know, I get bogged down sometimes with the workload and I don't always take the time to check myself or I like I give kind of a broad diagnosis, but then I never I don't go back and Mm -hmm. Mm re-specify it or re-clarify. Yeah. So just after going through this, I'm, I'm just thinking of a couple clients where I'm like, oh, it's the other thing. Yeah, yep. it's the other thing. Yeah. I should probably fix that. Yeah. <laughs> it's And again, I, I just want to validate you so much here because I have the same experience. And when you work, it depends where you work, right. how it matters. Yeah. It, it depends what you are trying to do with the client, how it actually matters. So I think people would be surprised to learn the diagnosis. This is why we talk about this in our DSM episode. Diagnosis isn't as cut and dry as everybody thinks it is. Mm-hmm. I'll give an example. So let's say that I was going to diagnose somebody with schizophrenia. In certain hospital systems, you're behind a firewall, so other people can't see that. In certain hospital systems, you are not behind a firewall, and And everybody everybody can can see that. And you have to really think as a clinician about what am I putting in this chart, and how is it going to affect how people see this patient and how people treat this patient, Mm -hmm. and what's most ethical here for this person, and how sure do I feel of this Right, exactly, exactly. So there's lots of little factors. So it might be to the – and also it changes over time. Right. That's the other thing. So it's so hard to – people want to know – 
almost like in a medical sense of what do I have? What do I have? I have this thing. And it's it's uh, like that scene in the notebook. What do, what do you, you want? want? What do you want? It's not that simple. <laughs> yeah, it, it really yeah. it's uh, it's de- it's more complex. Yeah, it's dependent on social context. It's dependent on the context where you're diagnosing and whether you're doing it for an insurance company or not matters right. too. So if you're in private practice, things change depending upon. These are the what we have given you above is the letter of the law. Yes, these but, are the the defined DSM terms. Mm-hmm. But but just be aware in the real world that these things change a little bit based upon right. the provider, the situation, etc. Yeah. And again, I like you said, these things can change. I mean, just because you do get a PTSD diagnosis does not mean that you can that you'll forever have a PTSD diagnosis. Don't trap yourself in these motherfucking boxes. Yeah, like, absolutely. I, I yes. There, yes, there's a benefit to understanding what your diagnosis is and to labeling it and to exploring that diagnosis. But don't trap yourself and say, oh my God, this is my life now. This is forever. Kind of the thing with mental health conditions is most of them are not supposed to be forever. Right. Right. This is not we get so worried about people beginning to identify as their diagnosis. Right. Please do not do this thing. You are not cancer. You are not insomnia. You are not X diagnosis. No. So try to put a little distance there. It's for understanding purposes. Right. It's for engagement in advocating for your care and getting the right types of care necessary. But it is not about this is what you are permanently and this is who you are. Right. That's... It's not misuse. that black and white. Yeah. Don't don't it's be doing it. It's not that simple. It's not that simple. We're going to get this Ryan Gosling <laughs> soundbite. <laughs> so I'm going to try an outside of podcast experiment very similar to yours. I also realized it's just a stupid little thing, but I... I am just diagnosing PTSD. If it looks and smells like PTSD, whatever, it's PTSD, fine. To be fair, I think you probably get more than the average bear. Oh, (laughs) that's my whole ass day is just that pretty much. So I, I, but honestly, if I was doing letter of the law, a lot of it would be other specified trauma, reaction, or it might be an adjustment disorder, et cetera. So at least for myself, regardless of what I code or bill, I want to make sure I'm just aware of the differences. It was just really helpful to re-go through this and and remember, oh yeah, there's there, some differences. There's the, yeah, there's the differences there. Yeah. That's right. Let's just <laughs> let's just know the letter of the law. It's a lot like Robin Hood, right? You know the law, but you might just bend the law in favor of people. What's good for the client. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yes. So just know what you're bending before you bend it, sort of a thing. Right, right. It's just kind of my mind. My motto. That makes me sound so antisocial. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have a joke for me this week, my dear? I have a couple. Ooh. I've had a lot of traumatic experiences at Mexican restaurants. Oh, no. But I don't want a taco about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to hit you with one. What do you call it when someone has a bad experience with weed? What? Blunt trauma. Ah. Oh, no. Okay. My, that's going to take away from my, then. Okay, my second great. one. All right. Throw it at me anyway. <laughs> Why was Snoop Dogg admitted to the hospital? Oh, obviously blunt drama. Yes. Blunt force drama. <laughs> Did you know Snoop? <laughs> Did you know Snoop is friends with Martha Stewart? 
I think I did actually know that. Isn't yes. That so exciting. That, I like that. Something about that makes me feel good inside, but I'm not sure what. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, on that note, folks, thanks so much for tuning in to our trauma and stressor related disorder. We really appreciate all of your support. Please keep in mind, do like, rate, review us, follow, follow us. us. Send us to everybody you know. I mean, really, it's just helpful to get visibility because the more visibility we get, we are more likely to get funding options, which then means that we are more likely to be able to do this full time yeah then we could actually maybe someday do other things with this that would be really <laughs> oh that would be so dope yeah <laughs> speaking help us do more yeah we'd love to do more so yeah just if you if you don't feel like donating totally cool just share it with everybody you know and right and that's helpful in itself exactly exactly so we so appreciate your time today and we will talk to you next week all right bye, bye.